Well, we're in uh, Revelation chapter 4 today. We're going to take a, a turn, and we've been in uh, the seven churches, and I'm telling you, uh, the scene switches hard today. It reminds me, two years ago, uh, we were down in Florida, had the family there, and one of the last nights in Florida, there's this old town kind of amusement carnival type of thing, but uh, what attracts you is there's this, this weird-looking machine, and it's called the slingshot. Um, and I'm looking at it, and um, I'm saying, no way, no how, not going to happen. But uh, my son Jake, son-in-laws Keith and John, Britt, couldn't pass it up. Uh, so here's, let, me, let me try to describe the slingshot. Uh, they got this locking bar uh, and it pads all over and you can hold on for dear life. And they lock you in and then they kind of tilt you straight up. Uh, and then there's these giant cables, air-powered springs, and you don't know exactly, but uh, they claim 70 miles an hour shoots you up 365 feet into the dark sky. Here's what I know. Uh, we're standing there. You couldn't, it was a little shiny dot up there when they hit the peak. And then they come and they bounce, 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 and then lower them back to earth. Uh, pretty interesting uh, to uh, terrorize your body for $30. That's what they'll call it, charge you, yeah. Uh, I, we actually have... They, they, you, can, you can buy the video of your face. I almost, and I said, no, no, we're going to be locked in on that. We're going to forget the reason why we're here. Uh, but Revelation chapter 4, uh, literally, I'm convinced that's how John felt when he gets launched into the throne room of heaven. Okay? Think about it. He's on this tiny, rocky prison island of Patmos, just off the coast of Turkey in the Aegean Sea. And now he gets launched, and verses 1 and 2 tell us he, he really right now is into the doorway in the awesome and indescribable presence of God Almighty. So he had to feel that shocked and that overwhelmed. So we're going to see today and next Sunday this glimpse of God's glory. And it's, it's a marvelous glimpse. It's, it's one of my favorite sections uh, of God's word, Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5. So let's stand together. Let's read out loud the glimpse of the throne room of heaven that John has recorded for us. He, he wrote this down for our benefit. Here we go. Let's read out loud together. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. 
Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Let's pray. Lord, that is uh, an amazing scene we just read. Uh, the picture that you inspired John to write down for us, Lord, uh, is indescribable. And yet you've given us a glimpse of your glory. So Lord, I'm asking that today from this, uh, this chapter that you might teach and encourage and challenge and provoke us to action. Uh, help us to see what's going on here in the throne room of glory that applies to us. Lord, help us to understand uh, what's going on up there and how that makes a difference in our everyday lives. I want to pause right now on this holiday weekend, and I want to pray for those who aren't feeling very festive. Uh, Lord, I know that some are here today and they're enduring trouble and pain and difficulty and confusion. And I pray, Lord, even as we stand in your church, that you might minister your grace and your mercy and your goodness to them, even right now in their time of trouble and challenge. Lord, I pray that we as a body might be sensitive to our brothers and our sisters around us. Lord, help us to do our part to love and care and encourage and support one another. And Lord, uh, we're asking right now that uh, the power of your spirit, the very third person of the Trinity, might settle in your church right now and be welcomed. And I'm asking that the power of your spirit and the power of your eternal, matchless, alive word might come together right now in this place. Help us, Lord, to hear clearly from you. We would even say, speak, Lord. Uh, we're listening, and we want to hear what you have to say to us as a church family, and we want to hear what you have to say to us as individuals as well. all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said as one you may be seated uh, 
let, let me just say before we get charging here, um, a lot of what goes on in the book of Revelation, in case you didn't know, is controversial. <laughs> uh, and a lot of what's going on here could mean this or that or the other or the other. Um, for instance, the 24 elders we're going to talk about, um, one commentator said that he'd found 34 different options for what the 24 elders are, okay? So just want you to know I'm aware of that, uh, but what I'm going to do is present to you what I've studied and I think it is, okay? So, you know, when I'm marching on and you're thinking, well, that, that you're saying that, but, you know, it could mean this. Or, you're exactly correct. You are. You're right. Uh, now, some of the things are clear and others aren't as clear, um, but I'm just going to give you my best shot, okay? So, uh, you know, on the 24 elders, when I get there, if, if I sound pretty confident, and well, I'm confident that that's what the Lord showed me, that I think it is. But there's lots of smart people who would disagree, uh, and, and, you know, people who are smarter than I and love Jesus longer and better than I. So I get that, okay? So. You know, and that applies for the rest of the book of Revelation, okay? So um, I'm going to give you my best shot, okay? Now, verse 2, here we go. With that as, uh, did I do well, lawyers? Uh, did, I, did I cover myself? Huh? Yeah, got the little addendum there. Okay, now we can move in. He covered himself well. Jesus allows John through the empowering, illuminating ministry of God the Spirit. Look at verse 2. It says, come on up here, and I was once in the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is going to take John, the apostle, yeah, the writer of the Gospel of John, first and second and third John, and now Revelation. He's going to take John on a guided tour of mission control. That's the best way I can uh, picture it in my head. This is the control room of the universe, so everything that's going on in the universe, this is mission control. And it's God Almighty who's there seated, and he's the one ruling and reigning and controlling the cosmos. That's what we are privileged with John as our guide and the Holy Spirit guiding John that we get to see. So John knows somebody. So if we were to get a guided walk down on the floor of the Johnson Space Center in Houston, you'd have to know somebody, right? Uh, to get down there and actually get to be able to touch a button or something that you sh shouldn't touch, right, Trav? Shouldn't touch, but we could, uh, you have to know somebody. Well, John knows somebody, and, and John knows the Lord Jesus, so therefore he's going to get to go and be a part of that. Um, the nerve center mission control is where Jesus Christ rules and reigns and holds all things together. Where do you get that? Well, you get that here, but you also get it, let me give you a verse, Colossians 1.17. Um, that's talking about Jesus, and Jesus is the one who rules and reigns and creates and holds it all together. So uh, from here and Colossians 1.17. Now, as I've read this chapter over and over and over and over again, and I suspect many of you have read it a lot, um, what I think we get here is what real, true 
biblical heavenly worship should look like and be all about. And uh, we, uh, according to Hebrews 9, the earth is actually the copy and the reality is actually what's going on in heaven. Does that make sense? Maybe that'll blow a few circuits this morning, but, but what we're doing is not the real reality. We're just trying to copy what the true, genuine article is, and that goes on in the presence of God Almighty, okay? So we're, we're the lithograph, that's the reality. We're, maybe uh, we're the Xerox, or we're the, the copy machine copy, but, but the original, the master copy, that's what's going on in heaven according to Hebrews chapter nine. Okay, so it's our responsibility, the best we can, track with me now, we're supposed to copy the reality here on earth while we wait to be graduated to the real thing, which is face to face with Jesus. Does that make sense? So uh, we've got the duplicate, the original is what we see here in Revelation four and five. So uh, we're, we're gonna try to mimic and follow and learn what's going on here that we should be doing here on earth. And that's what we're gonna do to begin this morning. So we're gonna talk about three foundational worship realities that are going on in heaven, but should be going on in our everyday lives. Should be going on in our church on a regular basis. And then we'll say, well, what does that mean for me? We'll close that way, okay? So let's, uh, let's do uh, those three foundational worship realities first. And if you're taking notes, here we go. Here's the first one. Um, the center of attention in our worship, the star of the show, the bullseye, the focus of our worship is Jesus Christ. It, that, that has to be the bullseye. The, the, the one that we worship the, the focus, the, the star of the show needs to be Jesus Christ. And if it's anybody or anything else, we're off mark. Well, where do you see that? Look at verse 2. I'm convinced this is Jesus on the throne. This is Jesus seated on the throne of heaven. Verse 6, the throne of Jesus is the centerpiece of all activity in both chapter four and chapter five. So in these two chapters, there's a throne, the throne of the capital K, King, and that's Jesus Christ's throne. Verse seven, I'm gonna just keep showing you why I think this is Jesus. Uh, the lion, the ox, the man, the eagle, um, and I'll say it again, there's other options, but I think this is the, the four gospels, because each of the gospels has a aspect looking at the life and the ministry of Jesus, and, and these are the four depictions of the gospel. Again, the gospel is Jesus revealed. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Verse eight, the four living creatures, the four seraphs, these are angelic beings with six wings, um, and look what they keep saying over and over. They were saying this before you woke up this morning, and while you were driving, they were saying this. And right now, they're saying this. And just think about it as you drive home, as you uh, uh, take your Sunday afternoon nap tonight, as you go to sleep, they're going to keep saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, past, who is, 
present and who is to come. That's what? Future. So, so that's, that's Jesus. That, that's a description of Jesus. Verse 10. Remember I talked about the 24 elders? Um, 30, what did I say? 34 different options. Here's my belief. I think that's the 12 tribes of Israel combined with the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. In other words, you've got the Old Testament that was looking forward to Jesus and the New Testament leaders, and they're looking back to Jesus. In other words, it's combining the Old and the New. And what's the centerpiece of the Old and the New Testaments? And the answer is, come on, say it with me. It's Jesus. Jesus is the focus of God's word. Um, that's the bullseye. Verse 11 tells us that all things in heaven and on earth were created by who? Who was the creator? Uh, Colossians 1.16 says Jesus was the creative one of the Trinity. Um, I believe they're worshiping the creator, Jesus. Um, and if you slide down to verse 6 of chapter 5, we'll get there next week. Got chapter 5 there? Look at verse 6. The lamb who has been slain, that's obvious. Who is the lamb who has been slain? And then they burst into song, Jesus, the sinless lamb of God, verses 9 and 10. Um, worship occurs. You ever wonder, what, what's worship? Well, that's what we do like 20 minutes before I get up and speak, right? That's worship, right? Uh, worship occurs anytime you and I Focus our attention on Jesus and honor and adore and praise Jesus. Realizing who he is and what he's up to and what he hasn't. As soon as our focus and our attention, no matter what we're doing, is on Jesus, that's worship. And can I just tell you, that shouldn't just be happening on Sunday mornings. <laughs> if the only time we're thinking about Jesus and we're honoring and praising Jesus and, and focusing our attention, if, if we're just doing that for that, like that 20 minutes before the sermon, that's a problem. And I like the fact that we can worship Jesus and praise him while you're driving. Um, one of my favorite things to do when I drive is just to relax and think about and talk with Jesus while I drive. Um, Denise and I were just talking, and we got enough frequent flyer miles. You know, should, should we use burn the miles, or should we drive? And I said, you know, the truth is, I like to drive. When we head out for vacation, I like, because that gives me like a couple days just to, to talk to the Lord and, and just kind of work through what's been going on for the last few weeks. What's going on, okay? So when you're driving, great opportunity. Just, just talk with the Lord and think about what's going on and, and ask him for his input. Worship Jesus as you pray and, and begin your day, hopefully in the word. Um, one of my favorite things to do, and, and last night I couldn't sleep. 12.30, in bed. Oh, man, I got to sleep. I got to sleep. I got to sleep because I got to get up at 6.30. Got to sleep. I couldn't sleep. So guess what I did? I talked to the shepherd, and I said, well, Lord, here, here we are. I, I don't know why you're, you're not allowing sleep. Maybe it was that coffee I had a couple hours ago. It could, could, be, could be the Diet Mountain Dew. I'm not sure, uh, but I'm going to take this as your sovereign hand right now, um, and we just talked, and you know what? I fell asleep talking to the Lord, 
And that used to bug me, but I kind of think he's okay with it now. I really do. It's kind of like when, when your, your little kid falls asleep in your arms. Do you like that, moms? Of course you do. Well, I, think, I think the Lord's okay with that. And then all day long we're talking to him. That's worship. That's not just prayer. That's talking and focusing your life on the Lord. Um, here's the problem. You can read your Bible and not worship. You can sing worship songs and not worship. You can be listening to Christian radio or you can be listening to the pastor and not worship. How do I know that? Because over the years, I've gotten really good at that, y'all. I, I really, I, I can do it. I, I can be there, but I'm not there. I can be singing the songs, but I'm really not engaged. I, I can be listening to a Christian song or singing a Christian song or even reading my Bible, but I'm just getting through the words. And okay, now I did my thing and I'm good. Mind is a thousand miles away, okay? Worship occurs when my mind and my heart are tuned in and focused at the Lamb, Jesus Christ. So here's my question. How much worship, genuine biblical worship, went on in your life this past week? And do, do you think you can grow in that area? And, and are you willing to work at it? Those are really the questions at hand. Uh, second fact that we get here uh, from Revelation 4 and 5, worshiping Jesus is not about receiving. Worshiping Jesus is about, any guesses? About giving. It's about me giving. Now, we live in a consumer-oriented society. Wouldn't you agree, Paul? Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, Special orders, you better get it right because that will upset us, right? Uh, I worked for a company on the sign. They said, satisfaction guaranteed. And I remember more than once I knew somebody was lying, they were cheating, and I'd, and I'd turn to the boss and he'd say, remember the sign, <laughs> satisfaction guaranteed. Uh, so you expect wherever you go to have your needs filled. You will take care of me. Look after me. I want my interests fulfilled. But I just want you to look at verse 8. I want you to notice the seraphs. And this is what real worship we should be copying. They weren't taking care of their interests. The seraphs were giving praise and adoration to Jesus. Unceasing worship. And slide down to verse 10. Look at those poor elders, 24 elders. Uh, and I don't mean that, honestly, but, but think about it. They're constantly doing what? Whenever the seraphs declare who Jesus was and what Jesus is doing, uh, what do the 24 elders do, verse 10? Uh, they do what? Fall down before Jesus. And, and they're laying their crowns before Jesus. And then they're saying, you're worthy you're worthy. You created everything. Um, they're all about Jesus as the audience of one. Um, our obligation in real worship isn't what am I getting here? It's what am I giving the Lord? See, that's a different mindset totally. A lot of times it's what am I going to get from this? And that's not how you come in to worship Jesus. Real worship is about giving Jesus honor and glory and praise, what he's due, what he deserves from us. Um, 
little gal set right here, right here. And most of the time when she sat here, she, uh, she's been uh, up in the presence of the Lord for four years now. Um, but some Sundays I would be seated here and she's here and she's on her face here in church, laying down flat out. And uh, one day um, I got the courage up to ask her and I said, uh, does, that, does that bother you? You know, when, when you're worshiping the Lord and, and other people aren't worshiping in the same way? And she said, uh, what are you talking about? And, and I said, well, um, have you ever thought that you're there laying before the Lord and, and no one else is doing that? And she said, um, Pastor Jeff, I never really thought about it. And I said, really? And she said, no, um, I'm just kind of worshiping the Lord as he shows me I should worship and I guess I didn't pay much attention to what anybody else was doing um, that's Heather LaPointe she's been with the Lord now and, and here's what I think now she's up there with the 24 elders and she's doing what she naturally did here on earth and she's like face to face with Jesus now uh, doing it and, and, I, and I often think boy if, if I was that free if I could just, I don't really care what, what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to worship the Lord, and, and I'm going to give him what he's due. And, and, and I like the fact that those elders are like flat out. And what's the point? It, it's giving Jesus the honor and the glory and the praise, not, not about me getting something. Um, third, we could talk long about that. Um, the final point, uh, praising, honoring, worshiping Jesus is going to be a long, a long, a long um, part of eternity. So here's, here's what I'm saying. Um, if we're going to be doing this as a major part of eternal life with Jesus, doesn't it make sense that we should start practicing now here? D doesn't it make sense that if that's what real worship is going to look like and that's what we're going to be involved in for eternity shouldn't we begin getting pretty good at that now here today um i think this is something we're called to work at this is something we're called to to make a concerted effort to get to the point where this actually becomes a big part of my life and it actually becomes the best part of my life now I'll just tell you, I don't have this one down. I, I, this isn't something I got, and I'm like the expert here. But here's what I have realized. The more I work at it, the more enjoyable it becomes. And suddenly now you start actually looking forward to spending some time worshiping and getting on your face before the Lord and, and uh, celebrating him. So... Um, and, and then, here, here's what I, I've realized, and then when I'm doing that at home regularly, then I can't wait to come and worship with you guys uh, in song and worship with you as we study his book together on Sundays. Because I've been doing it all week long on my own, and now I get to come and, and do it with you guys, and, and that's something I look forward to. Does that make sense? So, so when you're doing it all week long and, and you're working at it and you're making that more and more a part of your life, then suddenly when you're here on Sundays, it's like, wow, th this is just like a little glimpse, a little mini glimpse here in church 
of what it's going to be like in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. So, review the facts. Here we go. Uh, Jesus is the center of attention. He's the bullseye. Number two, it's not about receiving. It's about giving praise and adoration to an audience of one. And third, worship is something we better be working at. Get better at it. Um, Because this is preparation for the reality that's to come. So, how should this affect us? How should this picture of worship for eternity and worship of the Lamb and this little glimpse of the throne room, how should this affect us right now today? I want to give you three things, okay? Here we go. First, this glimpse of God's glory should compel us to receive the salvation that's offered freely by the Lamb who's being worshipped. Track with me now. The gospel is all about Jesus and worship in glory. Revelation 4 is all about worshiping Jesus. Um, And then if you slide down to chapter 5 and verse 10, I want to show you something. Uh, Jesus says, and all of you who have said yes to me by faith, you have the opportunity to reign with me here in the new heaven and the new earth. So if you say yes to Jesus, then in the future, when, when Jesus is ruling and reigning the new heaven and the new earth, verse 10 says, we get to rule and reign with him. And in case you think, well, that's just, go back to chapter 3 and verse 21. This was last week, chapter 3 and verse 21. Um, that's the church at Laodicea. Look what he says, to the one who is victorious who perseveres, I'm going to give you the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my Father on his throne. Do you see what Jesus is offering us? If you're one of my kids, if by faith you say yes to me and choose to follow me with your life, um, then when I'm ruling and reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords, you, you get to come and hang out with me. You get to be right next to me, and you get to enjoy me for all of eternity. Now, I don't know who you'd like to hang out with today. I, I have some ideas. You know, I don't know if some of you'd like to hang out with LeBron. Um, uh, some of you might like to hang out with Rush Limbaugh or Bill O'Reilly. Uh, some of you... Um, Maybe uh, I, I started to pick an artist, maybe a country uh, person that you love, or, or maybe you've got someone who, who's just amazing that you're thinking, oh, I'd like to hang out with Rick Warren or Billy Graham. Or, or now, now, give me your eyes. Do you understand that anybody you pick right now, they're created beings, and they're goofy and sinful just like us? okay, they might be able to hit a golf ball a long way, or they might be able to sing a tune, and woo, wow, what a tune. Or or they might be able to act in a movie and say, wow, that was so realistic. But can I just tell you, Jesus created them. Jesus gave them whatever gifts or talents they have. And I just tell you, because I've met a few people who are semi-famous a few times, and you want to know something? 
Okay? D- don't tell anybody. But they're just as goofy and sinful as you and I. They are. They're, 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 they're frail. They're prone to wander. They're goofy. Now, now look again, 510, 321. Jesus says, you know what? If you follow me, you get to hang out with me. King of kings, Lord of lords, creator, ruler, sustainer of all the cosmos. You get to hang out with me for how long? Forever. Kind of changes things, at least for me. Um, Second, this glorious picture of Jesus should empower us to say no. No, I, I don't. I don't need an idol in my life. I don't need that sinful, besetting, entangling sin. Here's what I mean. When we see the awesomeness of Jesus in the throne room of glory, suddenly to bow down to a wooden statue of the Roman emperor Nero to these folks, why would I do that? Why would I want to even be tempted to bow down and glorify like we just talked about, an actor or a singer or a radio personality or an athlete. Why? I've got Jesus to worship. I've got Jesus Christ. Why would I be tempted to worship money or fame or success or a toy instead of Jesus? Suddenly, if you get this picture burned on your hard drive, that stuff begins to look foolish and short-sighted in comparison. Um, and one final thing. If you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 12 real fast. Hebrews chapter 12. Um, we're told to run the race, verse 1, Hebrews 12. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Um, and uh, we're told to run a race. Uh, but first it says, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and besets us. And let's run the race that Jesus has marked out for us. Okay? Well, that's good. Throw off the entangling stuff. Throw anything that slows me down. How do you do that? Verse 2, fix your eyes on Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, can, I, can I just tell you? That's the picture of Revelation chapter 4. Okay? So I set my eyes on Jesus and all that he endured on the cross. And now I set my eyes. And where is he seated right now? At the right hand of God the Father on the throne of God. Um, and I'm just telling you, suddenly now it helps us, what's it say, verse 3? To not grow weary and lose heart. Third thing, and we're done. The glorious picture of Jesus on the throne uh, enables us to endure trouble and trial and pain and loss if I truly get a hold of what's going on here in Revelation chapter 4. If you get this picture and it becomes a part of your thinking, if it becomes the screensaver in your brain, and suddenly now, this, this is what, suddenly now when you go through trouble and trial and pain and loss, I can remember, oh yeah, I know who's at mission control. I know who's behind everything in this world. And I know that he knows what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing right now. 
I don't understand it. I don't particularly like it right now. But, but Jesus, I know that you are good. And how often is Jesus good? How often? All the time. Um, so you get that in your brain, and suddenly you say, you know what? Um, this feels out of control, but I know better because I have seen this picture of him on the throne. And he knows what he's doing, and he's got a plan, and he's working it out. Um, and this picture reminds me that Jesus is in control. And write down Colossians 2.15. I'm just going to tell you what it says. And that Jesus has conquered and disarmed the powers of Satan and triumphed over them on the cross. So not only is Jesus on the throne, Satan has been whooped, okay? His Gullius Maximus has been beaten, got it? Uh, his tail, is he, he has been triumphed over by Jesus on the cross, and uh, he's just like a bumblebee whose stinger has been removed. Can you picture that in your head? Uh, get a big old bumblebee, rip out the stinger, and then you let him go. Now, I don't know if they can live after you do that or not, but in your head, for th this purpose, he, he can't, okay? So all he can do now is buzz, 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 but what happened? The hurty part is gone, you know? The part that can really hurt you, he can scare you, but the stinger has been removed. Well, where do you get that? 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your, anybody? Sting, bumblebee, yeah. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> I like that part, don't you? Okay, so, so Satan is whooped. And here's how we're going to close. And one day, um, we have this to look forward to. Turn to Revelation 21. And I'll probably go to this three or four times before we finish our study. My favorite verses change all the time. Right now, these are my favorite verses. Next week, it may change. But Revelation 21, 3 to 5, um, if you're in the middle of a hard time, hard season, uh, things are painful, trouble, confusing, trials, difficulties, can I point out verse 3 of Revelation 21? John says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he'll dwell with them. That's where we get to rule and reign. Remember we talked about that? They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Here, here's the part that I really, really like. Um, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And there's going to be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. No more tears. No more death. No more mourning. No more crying no more pain. Can I just say this in closing? This is not it. The best is yet to come. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, thanks for uh, this picture. This awesome picture as we get a glimpse 
of the glory of your risen, ascended Son, our Savior and Lord, on the throne. And Lord, I, I believe that we all need this uh, on screensaver in our brain, so it's constantly flashing before us. Thank you for being awesome. Thank you for sitting uh, on that throne and having everything at your control. And Lord, we worship and we praise you. And uh, I pray that even in this week ahead, we'll worship you as you deserve. And Lord, for those of us here who worship has not been much a part of their life, Lord, I'm praying that even today they'll realize that it's something that's worth working at. It's worth the effort. And Lord, I'm praying that in due time, it'll become the best part of their life when they can uh, adore and praise and focus their hearts and their minds on your son, Jesus Christ, who was and is and is to come. <laughs> Lord, minister to each and every heart today as you see fit. You know what you're doing, and, and I believe this picture has relevance for each person here today. So uh, you point out how this applies to their life, specifically, personally, even right now. We love you, Lord. You're awesome. We stand amazed. It's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name, we pray all of these things. Amen. <laughs>